Hi, welcome to Terrible Today, the tiny version of Horrible History. I'm Rachel Everett. And I'm Emily Barlene. I'm heading back to El Paso today. Where are you going? I'm going back to all of Wyoming. Ah, Wyoming. You want to go first? Land of the weird news. I will go first. In life, there are many tough decisions you'll have to make that impact your love life. When is the right time to pop the question? Deciding whether to say yes or no. Knowing when to break off a relationship. Deciding if you should give the ring back. Figuring out how to sell the ring if you decide to get rid of it. With Valentine's Day rapidly approaching, past, and if thinking about popping the question, be sure to check out Facebook Marketplace to find the ring. Yep, that's a serious statement. I see rings on Facebook Marketplace all the time. Women being like, I don't want it anymore. You can have it for $1,000. It is bad juju, in my opinion. So bad. Like, I still have mine from when I was married, and I talk with my ex about it. I'm like, what should I do with this? Like, and we decided just to give it to our daughter when she's old enough. Like, yeah. you don't have to keep it as a ring. You can take the diamonds out. Put it, Make it a necklace. Yeah. yeah, do whatever you want with it. Just, you know, it's bad juju to give it to somebody else as a wedding ring. We yeah. can work out. You wouldn't want anyone else to have it as a wedding ring, and you wouldn't want to wear it as a necklace yourself. Because, like, no. even if it's diamonds, like, it's still from your ex. So. Right, right. Vera will love it someday. I think so too. I'm if she was a little bit older, I'd already let her have it to play dress up or whatever, but okay. He goes on to say, not that I'm looking to ask anyone to marry me, but a conversation came up and rings were the topic. When should you keep the ring or give back the ring was a heated discussion. That got me curious of how people were unloading those unwanted engagement and wedding rings. I was really shocked when I found the number of rings for sale to be so high in central Wyoming. I did notice that some were being sold by jewelry companies, but most of them were shown displayed in homes and even on fingers. You want it? Without, I know, somebody just puts their hand into the camera. (laughs) Hey. Without firsthand knowledge. We can't for sure know why the rings are being sold, but we all have our theories. Brides.com says that selling your ring shouldn't be a spur-of-the-moment decision because of the attached emotional connection. If you're selling it just for money, think hard about that, too. You're only going to get between 40 to 75% of the original value, which may not be worth the emotional roller coaster. But if you do come to the conclusion that it's best to sell the ring, here are three tips to help you out from Brides.com. Research the ring at minimum, know the four C's, color, clarity, <laughs> carrot weight, and cut. Do comparative research. Check around for comparable rings and see what they're selling for. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you really want to part with the ring and you won't feel guilt or regret when it's gone. The other side of the coin is buying a used ring on Facebook Marketplace. Don't tell your fiancé about that decision, I guess. Do not. What happens if the one you're proposing to finds out you got the ring at a discounted price and that it was used? That can't be a good thing. So make sure to make good choices to avoid future issues. Would you be upset if a guy that was proposing to you bought it? <laughs> Emily's like, yes. <laughs> I do not need you to finish that question. The answer is yes. <laughs> so I think there's a difference. The caveat I want to make here is between used and vintage right oh yeah like if like it's, a, your grandmother's ring yes sure. something like, vintage you got at a antique store yes yes some bitch down the street who doesn't <laughs> want her divorce <laughs> wedding ring anymore no no it's bad karma it's bad karma. Bad. 
bad yeah, karma. That's the whole thing. I agree with you completely. Like I don't I don't mind like a vintage art deco. I think they're really beautiful. Yeah. Like if Something you that's died been in sold that ring, at an estate sale. You yeah. Know? Yeah. If you died in that ring, great. But if you got divorced, I don't want it. No, no divorce rings. None. Not that kind of ghost. Well, I've got some fun stuff for us in Texas. <laughs> oh no. More than 300 pounds of bologna and dozens of boxes of horse medication were recently seized by U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials. I wasn't ready for all that bologna. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A 20-year-old El Paso man was issued a $1,000 civil fine in the border bologna bust last week. On the morning of August 26th, a CBP officer sparted large lunch meat rolls in the back seat of a 2012 Honda Odyssey arriving from Mexico. CBP in a has the Honda Odyssey's a minivan. <laughs> <laughs> they need it for all 300 pounds. Obviously, minivans are really useful, Emily. Mhm. <laughs> this next line CBP has the meats. We have the meat. <laughs> they go for a roast beef sandwich right now mm, from Arby's. Sounds real good. They seized 320 pounds of pork bologna and 30 pounds of turkey ham at the Paso del Norte International Bridge. I'm sorry, turkey ham one thing? Mm-hmm. Or turkey comma ham? It's just says turkey ham. <laughs> Oxford commas are important, guys. I think it's probably like, maybe like, Turkey loaf, maybe? You I know, because like, I, yeah, okay. okay. Um, they said that the driver was asked if he had any fruits, vegetables, meats, plants, or animals to declare, and he responded, no. And was sent. <laughs> no, none of them. None of them. They're like, sir, you smell heavily of bologna, okay? Your bologna has a first name. It's. I, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was going to say. G-U-I-L-T-Y. I saw the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile yesterday. Did you? I, I got so excited. Out, I was spelling out guilty. It was going to be really funny. G-U-I-L-T-Y. <laughs> and you ruined it. But I got so excited because I saw the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile yesterday. It was parked With the downtown. big hot dog? Mm-hmm. In Omaha? That makes mm-hmm. sense. You have the meats. We have the meats. <laughs> okay. Officers pulled rolls of lunch meat from under blankets, the center console, under the seats, and inside a duffel bag. Sure. Agriculture specialists seized a total of 320 pounds, and the meats were destroyed by the CBP. Why? Distribute them. I mean, if they're underneath somebody's seat, and you're just rolling along, farting in your car on top of the but they're in like tubes. Like it's not like just loose ham <laughs> rolling around. <laughs> I'm picturing coin rolls at a bank. <laughs> just full of bologna. <laughs> just ham rolling everywhere. <laughs> the driver told officers that the bologna was intended for resale in the United States. It's not uncommon for molecular. <laughs> For Mexican bologna, which tastes different than U.S. brands, to be smuggled. Oh, it's like Mexican Coke. Oh, it's better than ever. Sugar. Extra sugar. No. That's what it is. It's the glass bottle. That's why it tastes It's so the glass bottle. <laughs> this is the best part of Mexican bologna. Um, <laughs> and Coke. Not Coca-Cola, guys. Yes. Foreign p- pork products are banned because of the potential to introduce animal diseases. In a separate case, the CBP officer sees dozens of boxes dozens of boxes of prescription horse medication and animal supplements on Tuesday as well. 
A 44-year-old U.S. citizen driving in from Mexico declared he had vitamins. <laughs> Poop vitamins. No, vitamins. <laughs> just like Fira. They're just vitamins. But an inspection found the vitamins were livestock veterinary medicine. The medications were prohibited from entry because they're considered a restricted narcotic steroid. The driver was issued a $500 fine. A lower fine than the man bringing in baloney, by the way. That's interesting. So a spokesman from the CBP added that the seized veterinary medication did not, not include ivermectin, an antiparasite farm animal medication that is a risky, unproven treatment for COVID-19. It does not work. Do not use it, people. Don't use it. Um, the Food and Drug Administration recently warned against self-medicating with medicine intended for animals. The antiparasitic treatment has led to a spike in poison control calls in Texas. The end. What if that was really how COVID started? It wasn't from, you know, somebody eating a bat. It was from smuggled bologna from Mexico. <laughs> ah, the smuggled bologna and turkey ham. TM. Turkey ham. Turkey no. ham. Ugh. Gross. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I want Van Ham. I think I can just mm. go on record and say just I need rum it. ham. Yes, I want the rum ham, but refrigerated. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Also, I saw this TikTok the other day that was talking about how Danny DeVito is not actually that short. That short? He's like taller than Tom Cruise, or the same height as Tom Cruise. No, but they Danny make DeVito's him look like four ten. Yeah, I I saw. Listen, TikTok never lies. I saw a TikTok saying he was 5'8". And I was like, no. No. Are you Googling? Tell me. Yeah. He's 4'10". Yeah, I did not verify. 4'10". Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you bitch! He's 4'10". Ray, um, his wife, Rhea Perlman, Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Perlman, Perlman. Mm -hmm. is 5'. foot. She's two inches oh, taller than him. She's so tiny. Um... What did we say? Oh, I want to. I think Tom Cruise is five. Is five Six? four? Is he five four? He's tiny. Oh, he's five seven. He's my. Oh, name. okay. That's still pretty short for a dude. But yeah, yeah. All right. If you work in retail, there's a new study that claims you are also more likely to drink. Science. This new claim comes from actual edged people, educated people, and then in quotes, allegedly they write like we do, from Penn hey. State. They say that if you find yourself forcing a smile in your retail job, you're more likely to drink afterwards. What if, what if you force a smile during your non-retail office job? <laughs> or therapy job, I think you're still more likely to drink. They yeah. sampled people who work with the public like waiters and waitresses and discovered this. They found a link between those who regularly faked or amplified positive emotions like smiling or suppressed negative emotions. Resisting the urge to roll one's eyes, for example, and heavier drinking after work. The person's just like, like shaking oh with anger is like, I'm just, I need a drink. I was in my therapy the other day and I could tell that my therapist needed to yawn but didn't want to yawn. And so, yeah, that's exactly what she did. She just had this face and I, she did it twice and I really wanted to be like, it's okay if you yawn. Like, I know you have kids. I know you work a lot. It's okay. But I didn't because I didn't want to call her out. I yeah. do that all the time in, uh, on Zoom calls. And it is so funny because, like, you can tell. But yeah. somehow it's, like, more okay to do the, like, 
like weird face, I'd be like, <gasps> you know, like. Which is funny because I will always just do the yawn. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm not a good faker of emotions. And I'm also a big fan of practicing what I preach. If I'm going to tell you to feel your feelings, I'm going to feel mine too. You're like, yeah. And my clients will be like, did your kids keep you up last night? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, they really did. They really did. So hustle it up. (laughs) Yeah. Their study says that this also affects how those in the medical field, like nurses, oh, those in the medical field, like nurses, if you feel the need to show artificial emotions, you're more likely to drink heavily than someone who doesn't. So don't fake it, guys. It'll turn you into alcoholics. They claim this report is backed up by the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. There is an exception. Exception to what they found, though. The study says if you find your work personally rewarding, you're less likely to turn to alcohol for relief. Gotta love science. Nice. Do what you love, guys. However, if you're parents, I will just say cheers. Cheers. (laughs) I love it. All right. The headline of this just cracks me up. Man who lives in El Paso Cave insists he's not bothering anyone. (laughs) It's just me and this guys i'm not even hurting anybody just the squirrels i eat a man who lives inside a cave in el paso texas bristles at the notion that he's scaring nearby residents (laughs) but a group of hikers told kvia on sunday that the man who declined to give his name jumped out of the cave naked and chased them away from a makeshift abode in mckellian canyon that doesn't sound scary what are they about he's shaking his dick (laughs) (laughs) it's just (laughs) may i introduce you all to the helicopter (laughs) helicopter helicopter (laughs) um when the man was confronted with the allegation he said if that's true where's the pictures (laughs) (laughs) every kid on tiktok is like look at this naked guy Neighbors told that uh, told KVIA that they spotted the man bathing in the laundry room of their apartment complex and working out at a nearby jungle gym. They need to worry about their own selves and repent and help the community more. The I'm man sorry, said, "A response. jungle gym like for children? Like is he He's doing pull ups? <laughs> naked pull ups? But as naked, yeah. At a playground." <laughs> <laughs> Um, perhaps the ostracized El Paso man can take some public relations lessons from Daniel Suelo of Moab, Utah, who made headlines in twenty in 2009 after it was revealed that he lived in a cave for close to a decade. He is truly the happiest person I have ever met, Damon Nash, Suelo's college roommate, told the Denver Post. He's living proof that money can't buy happiness. Living in a cave, however, is no guarantee you won't have to deal with the challenges of capitalism. ABC previously reported on a man who was facing foreclosure from the cave he lived in for five years. (laughs) You know what money can buy you? Pants. Pants. Socks. (laughs) Undies. Undies. A gym membership so you don't have to scare children. (laughs) So many things. All the things. (laughs) All right. This is my last one. Cheyenne police are looking for a large, sweaty man who stole an air conditioner from Habitat for Humanity on June 14th. He was hot. (laughs) I mean, in one way, because the man was described as roughly 300-pound white male and can be seen in the photo on the left. I will post a photo. It's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. He's just waddling away with his air conditioner. He's wearing a tank top. Oh, of course. 
The CPD news release says, quote, he may not be sweaty anymore as he now has an air conditioner. Yes. Uh, police believe the man put the air conditioner in a dark Dodge Intraped around 6 p.m. Wednesday before driving off with it. <laughs> intraped. Intraped. Is that not Intraped. Wrong? I don't know. I don't drive a Dodge. It's a Dodge Intraped. I just get a Dodge Intraped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real Chameleon. <laughs> Chameleonaire, as you may say. That's <laughs> really a trip. That makes sense. <laughs> Intraped. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> you know what? There are so many instances of me being like ag- agrega- agregarious and it's like egregious, you stupid bitch. <laughs> Look, we say so many stupid things. They're just recorded now. They're just recorded now. It's fine. So in his he put it in the Dodge in his intraped. Anyone who may have information on this crime is being asked to call Crime Stoppers Silent Witness. <laughs> Tipsters can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward of up to $1,000. There's no caller ID. So, you know, get in your intraped and <laughs> drive on over to the police station. <laughs> All right, fuck it. That's my last one. What you got? <laughs> I'll just oh, go back so to good. doing the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> you just dig it. That's <laughs> oh, so good. Um, well, I have a little bit of an unconventional, terrible today for my last one. As I was researching like oddities and like weird news in El Paso, a story kept coming up about this man who wrote um, a funny obituary for his mom. Oh. And it was all about like, Best obituary I've ever read. Funniest thing I've read all day. Like all this stuff. So I was like, straight to the source. I just want to read this obituary. Yeah. And honestly, I have not read it yet. So it's a first for both of us. So hopefully it's not super sad. Let's do it. I read like parts of it. Little. I I think we're good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. This is for Renee Mandel Coren, El Paso, Texas. It starts. A plus-sized Jewish lady redneck died in El Paso on Saturday. Strong start. Strong start. Note, her son wrote this, so it's okay. I've got news for you. The body, fertile, red-headed matriarch of the sprawling Jewish-Mexican redneck American family has kicked it. This was not good news to Renee Mandel Coren's many surviving children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, many of whom she... Even knew, and in her own way loved. He also called her fertile. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Can we just not fly right past that? Mom was so fertile. So fertile and uh, ginger. There will be much mourning in the many glamorous locales she went ba- bankrupt in. <gasps> McKeesport, P- Pennsylvania, Renee's birthplace, and where she first fell in love with ham and athe- atheism. I hope it's not ham from that van. Oh, shit. Van ham. Fayetteville and Kill Devil Hills, North Carolina, where Renee's dreams, credit rating, and marriage are all buried. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, Miami, Florida, where Renee's parents, uncles, aunts, and eternal hopes of all Miami Dolphins fans everywhere are buried pretty deep. Renee was preceded in death by Don Shula. I don't Mm. know who that is, but I'm... 
No relation. <laughs> Just don't say anything about him. It's probably some Miami's Dolphins player or something. We don't know sports. Help us. Because she was my mother, the death of zaftig good-time gal Renee Corinne at the impossible old age of 84 is newsworthy to me, and I treat it with the same respect and reverence she had for, well, nothing. <laughs> A more disrespectful, trash-reading, talking and watching woman in North Carolina, Florida, or Texas was not to be found. Hers was a much-lived life, a Yankee, Florida, liberal, Jewish, tough gal who bowled them in Japan, rolled them in North Carolina, and was singular was a singularly unique parent. Often frustrated by the stifling conservative culture of the South, Renee turned her voracious mind to the home front, becoming a model stay-at-home parent, a supermom, really, just a perfect PTA lady, volunteer, amateur baker, and... Ah! <laughs> Just kidding, y'all. Renee, <laughs> that it literally it says, says oh, that. Oh, 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 oh. I <laughs> like you were in all really laughing. I was like, "What's coming up?" In all caps, like ah ha ha. Like he was going on and on about how great she was, and then he's like, "No, not really." Jk, she was the worst. Rosie to her friends, and this was a broad who had never met a stranger. Worked double shifts with Doreen, ate a ton of carbs with Bernie, and could occasionally be stirred to stew some stuffed cabbage for the kids. She played cards like a shark, bowled and played cribbage like a pro, and laughed with the boys until the wee hours long after the last pin drop. She sounds fun. I know. At one point in the 1980s, Renee was the 11th or 12th ranked woman in cribbage in America. And while that could be a lie, it looks really good in print. (laughs) (laughs) I just made it up just now. I made that up. Yeah. She also told us she came up with the name for Sunoco, and I chose to believe this too. I don't know what that is. Yes, Renee lied a lot. But on the plus side, she didn't cook, she didn't clean, and she was lousy with money too. (laughs) Good Lord. Here's what Renee was great at. Dyeing her red roots, weekly manicures, dirty jokes, pier fishing, rolling joints, and buying dirty magazines. Again, she sounds fun. (laughs) Sounds awesome. She said she read them for the articles, but filthy free speech was really Renee's thing. (laughs) Hers was a bawdy, rowdy life, lived large, broken, loud. We thought Renee could not be killed. God knows people tried. A lot. (laughs) Renee has been toying with death for decades, but always beating it and running off in her silver Chevy Nova. COVID couldn't kill Renee. Neither could pneumonia. Twice. Infections, blood clots, bad feet, breast cancer. Twice. Two mastectomies, two recessions, multiple bankruptcies, marriage to a philandering sergeant major, divorce in the 70s, six kids, one cesarean, a few abortions from the quietly famous abortionist of Spring Lake, or an affair with Larry King in the 60s. I mean, he's probably hot in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Renee was preceded in death by her ex-boyfriend, Larry King. expect that i didn't see it coming (laughs) (sighs) renee was also sadly preceded in death by her beloved daughter kathy sue corin lester trammell webster of kill devil hills north carolina who herself was preceded in death by two marriages a fudge shop and one lost eyeball in a near fatal (laughs) pepsi bottle incident they'll absolutely be be explored in future obituaries (laughs) this guy has too much time on his hands Right. Also, 
How many times are you going to say your mom was bankrupt? Fuck you, bro. (laughs) Losing her one-eyed, badass bitch of a daughter in 2007 devastated Renee, but it also made her quite homeless since Kathy pretty much picked up the tab. (laughs) A talented and gregarious grifter, Renee eked out her final years of luxury. She literally retired at 62. Under the care, compassion, checking accounts, and unlimited patience of her favorite son and daughter-in-law, Michael and Lourdes Corin, of the world-famous cow sanctuary in El Paso, Texas. Renee is also survived by her son, Jeffrey Corin, and his endlessly tolerant wife, Shirley, Scott Corin, and what's left of his colon, what?! Mark and Laura Corin, the loveliest dirt farmers of Vernon, Texas, and her favorite son, the gay one who writes catty obituaries in his spare time, (laughs) Andy Corin of, obviously, New York City, (laughs) (laughs) plus two beloved grand dogs, Mia and Hudson. Renee was particularly close to and grateful for the lavish attentions of her granddaughter, Perla, and her great-grandchildren, Elijah and Leroy, as well as her constant uh, cruise companions Sam Trammell and Adam Corrin. Renee took tremendous pride in making one gay son and two gay grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. There will be a very disrespectful and totally non-denominational memorial on May 10th, most likely at a bowling alley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. The family requests absolutely zero privacy, privacy or propriety None whatsoever, and in fact encourages you to spend some government money today on a one-armed bandit at the blackjack table or a cheap cruise to find our inheritance. She (laughs) spent it all, folks. (laughs) She left me nothing but these lousy memories, which I and my family of five brothers and my sister-in-laws, nephews, friends, nieces, neighbors, ex-boyfriend, Larry King's children, who I guess I might be one of... The total strangers who all to a person loved and will cherish her forever. Please think of the brightly frocked, frivolous, funny, and smart Jewish redhead who is about to grift you, tell you a filthy joke, and for Larry King's sake, laugh. Bye, Mommy. We loved you to bits. (laughs) It's like a little bit catty, but also kind of sweet. I like it. I know. It's like... You know, he had to have had a good relationship with her and, like, they had to have all loved her and, like, just had one of those, like, I feel like one of those family relationships where everyone, like, is dogging on each other all the time. Like, oh, you stupid bitch or whatever, you know. And, like, because I don't think you would write that if you felt that, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Oh, man. Anywho, make sure to tune in on Thursday for our next full episode of Horrible History. Bye. Bye.